0: Mud Stories, Episode 80.
1: You Your see floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place again All the hardships that we
2: go through, when we can surrender them, Wow! I mean, they increase our faith and they allow us to move into tomorrows. Submission and surrender equal forgiveness and freedom. When we can do that, then we can walk into the tomorrows. Because God's grace and mercy is sufficient no matter what we have to walk through. And no matter how dark our darkest day is, it's not our entire life. No matter what your darkest day is, your most hurtful memory, whatever that is, it is not your whole life. It is a piece of it. It is a part of who you are. And yet you do not need to live in the sorrow or the memory of that. And recognizing that and bringing back all the good memories and all those things that I have to be thankful for is what carries me forward. Our darkest day does not need to designate what our future
0: looks like. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never alone. Hey friend, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me again today because this is an episode that I have really been looking forward to for quite some time. And I think it's because when we have a chance to talk to someone who's walked through immense tragedy and pain, someone who's learned to lean hard on Jesus in the midst of profound suffering, and even ongoing current hardship, it really is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and be changed because of their story. And that is my hope for our time together today. Because today we're going to be talking about when unexpected tragedy enters our lives Our propensity often is to be angry with God, and we tend to choose bitterness instead of forgiveness because, frankly, it's just easier to be mad and to be angry instead of choosing to forgive. We hold on to things inside, sometimes on the outside, sometimes we talk about it, sometimes we don't. But we start to face lots of challenges and, you know, it's such a challenge to suffer well when we're handling something that's really hard. It's hard to release our bitterness and our anger and our fear because really fear is what is beneath, staying angry. And instead, it's such a challenge to choose forgiveness. It's a challenge to move forward in love because we don't really feel like loving. We feel hurt. And upset and really loving our way forward through whatever comes is what we're called to do. And yet it is so hard and we have no promise as to what it is we'll face, what it is that will come into our lives, except we do know the truth that God promises to be with us in it. And that is a truth that my guest today, Terry Roberts, knows very, very well. Terry is an author and a speaker battling stage four cancer as we speak. She is a mom to four boys, a beloved grandmother, and she lives with her husband, Chuck, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Terry, welcome to the show. I am so very glad you're here. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for having me here. Of course. Well, before we get to the events of 2006, Could you share a bit about your growing up years with me and what life was like as a young girl and eventually a young wife? I know you were an infant born with club feet. You had some challenges growing up in your young adult years, and then you began to uh, become close to Christ in your young adulthood. And I'd love to hear about that.
2: Yeah, I grew up a very happy-go-lucky child. I mean, wonderful parents. We lived in the country um, until I was in sixth grade. And I just loved roaming the countryside and the woods and exploring and and having my neighborhood friends and um, yeah. So I grew up very happy-go-lucky. And then we moved into the city into uh, Lancaster City, and that was quite different from my rural setting. Um, but I um, yeah, I learned a little bit about uh, city life isn't like country life. Um, and I was uh, going to a parochial school in the city, and I expected everybody to have halos on their head, and <laughs> of course, they didn't. <laughs> right. That came as a shock to me. <laughs> and- as a 13-year-old, I guess. Um, but anyhow, then, um, you know, I, I actually uh, got married at the age of 18 and um, you know, gave away my all my dreams of becoming an airline stewardess and a model and, <laughs> and married this wonderful, wonderful Marine. And uh, oh. he was my husband, and, and God gave us four wonderful sons uh, that we were just very proud of. But in the midst of that, those childbearing years, I witnessed this change in my mother, and she had started attending a Bible study. And it was at a time in my life where I was pregnant with our third son, so a young mother and you know, raising children and making decisions. And at that time in my life, what what I saw in my mother was something that I I yearned for—a real depth in her faith that, um, in the way it was changing, and I uh, started. Uh, a Bible study in my own neighborhood. I had never heard of Bible studies, but it was something that I pursued and invited women from different denominations or no denomination that I knew or didn't know. I just knocked on doors
0: uh, <laughs> in my neighborhood. I love that. I love that you just took action. I mean, I did. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I actually met the women
2: that had developed the uh, Bible study, the, the, the program was called Neighborhood Bible Study, and I actually met the women that had uh, written it. And so from there, yeah, that inspired me just to go and ask women to come, and they did. And so some were women I already knew, and many were not, but uh, there were more than 15 of us in the beginning and uh, all ages, and then we had child care for the young ones, and uh, we would have the children in one home, and we would meet in a different home and and switch off every week that turned out to be such a treasured time in my life. It is where God's word started speaking to my heart. I believed in Jesus, but I I had never developed my relationship with the Lord. And when I started reading the scripture, it started speaking into my heart. And that's when I got on my knees before my God and said, wow, I want all of you, all you have for me, I surrender my life to you. So it was a, a, an awesome time in my life in um, those childbearing years and to start to develop such a relationship uh, with Christ that it, it really just seeped into every area of my life then. And then, you know, it wasn't long till my husband was taking more of an interest and we even had a couple's Bible study. So it was um, quite a growing time in my life. So very, as I reflect back, that was a, just a treasure trove of all the the truths that were um, instilled into me at that time.
0: Well, Terry, I know you homeschooled your boys for some years. I didn't homeschool my kids for all their years either. Uh, I just concluded four years of homeschooling, and now they're back in school. And, uh, and the, those years can be so busy. And I know you who are listening, you're thinking to yourself, you know, I have kids, school age, I'm in the throes of busyness, I desire to become closer to Christ. Terry, what would you tell those of us who are still in the throes of those years? What did you do and how can we pursue a deeper intimate relationship with Christ, knowing what you know now, looking back?
2: Wow. Well, well, I don't know. It just God's word became such an integral part of my life that I just craved God's word and I wanted it to be a daily part of the decisions that I made. And in order to do that, I would start each day in the word, you know, know, it was as simple as that, whether I was reading a portion of a chapter or just a few verses, but I would start each day with God's word and jot notes down about how it was speaking to me or jot notes in the, um, on the pages of the Bible. And um, that that is just what spoke into my heart at that time in my life. But it was it was important that every day started really reaching out to the Lord and having Him speak into my life.
0: That's beautiful, and I think that is um, something that is so simple, and yet we sometimes make it more complicated than it needs to be. We just need to spend time with God talking. We with do, Him. we
2: do, and that has changed drastically over the years in many different ways, and you know, it can change from week to week for me, too, you know? Right.
0: Um, Well, and sometimes it feels fruitless, because we feel like we're getting nothing, you know, we show up with our candle and our hot tea and, and our Bible open in the early morning hours, you know, the the proverbial perfect way to do it. And yet it feels sometimes very dry, or am I hearing from God? Is he seeing me? And, and yet, Sometimes it's just that faithfulness of showing up and being present and he will be faithful in promptings inside our spirit, right? That's
2: true. So it can be just the continuation of that morning morning routine or it can be changing it up too. You know, I've done both, you know. Right. I've gotten through the dry periods, but I've also changed it up and said, "Okay, it's summertime, so now I'll go outside in the morning and, you know, whatever and meet God in nature or something." So, you know, yeah, either way, um, but um, not to put them on the back burner for sure. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Well, take us forward then. Growing up years, your boys grew up, they married, and then we come to the year 2006. Because in 2006, your son Charlie walked into an Amish schoolhouse and took the lives of five schoolgirls before turning the gun on himself. And you now travel and speak about the Nickel Mines School shooting and share all about forgiveness and hope and what you've learned and take us to that night before October 2nd, what that looked like. And um, goodness, your oldest son, you would have never imagined.
2: Absolutely. He was a wonderful son. So, you know, I had just returned from a missions trip. And he and his family came over just to catch up and say hello, and how are you doing?" And we just spent you know time together that evening. He went outside with his son and played his four-year-old and played baseball. and you know I sat at the breakfast bar um, with my daughter-in-law just chatting and, and he did look a little quiet that night, you know in retrospect, you know and I looked back and I thought, wow, Charlie really did seem quiet, but not, not to a point where I was like, oh my goodness, what's the matter with Charlie?" You know, there was nothing in me that had any reason to think that there was something going on in my son's life that we didn't know about. Right. Um, it just came as a complete shock. So waking up to, to Monday morning and what transpired was just beyond any mother's, um, yeah, I, I, you could never imagine anything like that happening in your own life.
0: Well, we just passed the ninth anniversary.
2: Yes. Yes,
0: and um, you had worked for many years at a theater. I love musical theater, by the way. Yeah. What yes. a delightful job! And we're having lunch with a friend. Can you um, tell us what happened from there?
2: Okay. Well, we sat on the patio, and we heard sirens, and we heard helicopters. And this is a small community. I mean, it's a you know rural area, and then a small towns, and so it's in Strasbourg, and I. Um, You know, whenever I hear sirens, I always just offer a short prayer. You know, if I'm driving, I just say, Lord, be with the responders, be with the, um, you know, whoever needs this ambulance or whatever. And so that day, that's what I did. I just stopped and said an inside prayer in myself and said, Lord, just be with whoever needs this help today and return Mm -hmm. to eating my lunch. But when lunch ended and I walked into my office, I received the phone call uh, the phone was ringing. It was the phone call that forever changed our lives. So it was my husband, and he asked me to come to my son's home. He said, I need you to come to Charlie's house right away, and I did. I, I, as I descended the stairs from my office, I just this feeling of foreboding entered in, and that was not a feeling that was at all there that day because it was an absolutely gorgeous day with the sun shining and the leaves turning in early October. And so as I got to my car, I turned on the radio for the short 10 minute drive to my son's home. And uh, the radio announcer talked about the fact that there had been lives taken at a local Amish school. And then he gave the incorrect name of the perpetrator. He had said the perpetrator's name was Roy. And so my immediate thoughts were, oh, my goodness, Charlie Parks has milk tanker truck right by the school.
0: Because he was a milk driver, right, for the Amish community.
2: Yes, he picked up the the milk for the dairy from the local Amish farmers. So, and some of the parents, the the children in the school,
0: and so and he had gone to walk his children to school that morning. That's correct, like a regular Monday morning, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. He saw them to the bus and and even called them back and you know to give them a hug. So, um, mm. yes, yeah, so it just. You know, nothing makes sense about that morning. But yeah, so as I arrived, you know, uh, when I pulled into my son's driveway, I, I looked at the state trooper and I said, is my son alive? And he said, no, ma'am. And then I looked at my husband. He said, it was Charlie. He killed those girls.
0: Hmm. And
2: just, oh, my goodness. You just, it's an out-of-body experience to hear something like that. I can't it's, even imagine. It's surreal. You cannot believe that this is happening. That was probably the last thing you
0: expected to hear.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, here I was thinking maybe he was part of a rescue. And then to hear my son was the perpetrator of this crime. That, that was just that was bizarre. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, no, this cannot be. And yet it is true. It, it was our son.
0: Mm. Cherry. So hard. I can't even imagine.
2: Yeah, I fell on the ground there in his yard feeling like everything inside of me would be expelled. And yet, that same day, day 1 is the day that God showed us two things to give us hope. Also.
0: Well, tell us about what happened because um that was the beginning. I mean, you had lived in Amish country most of your life, right?
2: Yes. And yes. so
0: your Amish neighbors weren't strangers to you. You were aware of their of their lives in interacted, I'm sure, somewhat. Um, but that was the first day that began your intimate journey alongside them in some of the more profound ways than you would have ever imagined. Yes. Yeah. So what happened? Because I I mean, you are reacting on the ground. Your husband, of course, is a retired police officer in the yeah. community, right? A, a yes. Marine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this has got to be embarrassing, devastating, and just humiliating,
2: all of the things. In his retirement, what did he choose to do? He chose to be an Amish taxi driver, <laughs> which is you know an English guy that, that drives a, a van or a car and takes the Amish where they need to go. So that's what he did in his retirement. And so hmm. all day long, my husband, you know, once we returned to our home, all day long, he did not raise his head. And the tears just kept flowing. And he kept repeating over and over again, those poor mothers, those poor fathers, those poor children, will never be able to face our Amish neighbors again, we're going to have to move far away. And so he kept wiping the tears away with a dish towel. And he did that so often that he actually wore the skin off of his forehead, there was like a little hole in his forehead. Hmm. And our home was filled that day with uh, family and friends that, that kept you know that come came to visit us. and of course the media were lining the street. and then late in the afternoon, a knock came on the door, and it was Henry, our Amish neighbor from across the street. And Henry came inside and walked directly over to my husband who sat at the breakfast bar with his head hung down. you know he hadn't raised his head all day. and Henry just walks over to him and starts massaging his shoulders and saying, Roberts, we love you. We don't hold anything against you. We want you as our neighbor. You are our neighbor. You are our friend. And he just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Chuck would repeat his mantra of those poor mothers, those poor fathers, those poor children. And and then Henry would you know, repeat again, you know, we, we want you here. You are our neighbor. You are a friend. And that went on for about 20 minutes or so. And then eventually i I Uh, saw my husband I'm standing several feet away and I saw my husband lift his head for the first time that day and look up into Henry's eyes and say thank you Henry and so to me that was the first glimmer of hope Um, that just stirred my spirit to say wow someday we will heal from this but it will take us a very very long time so I would say Henry was that first part of the healing for us
0: just beautiful. And uh, the small glimpse of what was to come. Yes. Um, let's go back, Terry. And I'd, I would love for you to help me know what happened when Charlie was in that schoolhouse and he showed up that morning. He obviously had a plan that none of you were aware of, no hint at all, but there had been some years where Charlie had suffered from some depression that you all had been aware of, but had thought he was working through Um, some ways he had been angry. Because the obvious question that I think all of us have, which I'm sure you asked even on that day one, why, how, how could this happen to a, a child who? was lovingly raised and who, you know, had a faith in God and all of those things. What have you pieced together since then of, of making any sense of that happening that day?
2: Um, it was, you know, with the notes and all, it was that reflection of, I love my family. I don't deserve you. Um, I don't deserve my children or my wife. Um, and just very depressing thoughts and things that were jumbled in a way that didn't make a whole lot of sense but that oh he had such admiration for his his wife and his family and that he loved us and I mean he had just been holding so much inside and I really wasn't aware of this depression that he would have been carrying and you know it was just something that that took him into that day that um, I did not have any awareness of prior to that and knowing that he was suffering deeply from anything yeah
0: Well, and as parents, we don't always know, and nor can we anticipate the decisions that our children are going to make. Did you wrestle through blaming yourself ever?
2: Well, of course, as a mother, you know, you say, what kind of a mother was I? How could I not recognize that something was wrong with my son? Or how could I, I mean, he didn't live with us for 10 years, you know, he was married. Right, of course. um, But, you know, how could I? How could I not perceive that there was something gravely wrong? And so then, um, yeah, the, the first point of my saying, yes, I will forgive Charlie, what came early in that, wow, if the Amish are forgiving of my son, of course I need to forgive my son. And besides that, if I didn't forgive, wouldn't I have the same hole in my heart that he had? You know, wouldn't I be carrying that same burden inside? of whatever he carried, feeling like he needed to be angry with God. I certainly knew that I wasn't going to walk into the tomorrows holding something inside or being so angry with him. Um, Over the years, just watching the repercussions of everything that he did, oh, I mean, there are times like, you know, I just cry out, Charlie, how could you have done this, you know, to these families? But as far as forgiving him, no, I, I needed to forgive him. If the Amish were forgiving. I needed to forgive. And I certainly didn't want to hold anything inside the way my son held bitterness inside. Right. Because that's worse than any cancer. I might be suffering with stage for cancer, but I'm not holding anything inside that it keeps me from loving anyone or forgiving anyone.
0: Right. And that is so key. I, I think we... I mean, this was such an unexpected tragedy in your life. It's not that you hadn't faced suffering or hard things before in life, before this happened. And I would imagine that God had used those other things to prepare you in small ways to deal with this thing. Well, he,
2: he did. I mean, I know that, you know, even in 2002, when I was diagnosed with stage three inflammatory breast cancer, that was like, to me, that was like a preparation for a heart, a much more you know, deep hardship to come, yeah. you know, because it did, it helped to prepare me spiritually and emotionally for what I was about to face.
0: And yet at the time, Terry, that you were diagnosed with cancer, I imagine it would have been hard to see that as a gift. Oh yeah, I mean, really, yes. looking back, it was a gift because look what you had to handle next. It was, I mean, yeah. it, it definitely
2: was a preparation and all the hardships that we go through when we can surrender them, Wow. I mean, they increase our faith, and they allow us to move into tomorrows.
0: How, Terry, do we do that? How do we surrender?
2: Wow. Well, submission and surrender equal forgiveness and freedom. You know, they really do. Um, Mm. they're, They're just, wow. When we can do that, then we can walk into the tomorrows because God's grace and mercy is sufficient no matter what we have to walk through. And no matter how dark our darkest day is, it's not our entire life. And that was the one piece that was given to me on day one of the tragedy by a counselor. When she came into our home, her name was Betsy, and she came along with one of the pastors. I had never met her before. But that first day, and it was shortly after Henry ministered to my husband, and she came to me and she said, How old was your son? And I said, But Charlie was nearly 33 years old. And she said, Um do you have any good memories of your son? I said, wow, he wasn't perfect, but I have wonderful memories of my son. She said, what happened on this day was this much of your son's life. And she held the palms of her hands together and uh, with about a half an inch uh, distance uh, in between. And she said, what happened on this day was this much of your son's life. Hmm. So what I like to share with people is, No matter what your darkest day is, your most hurtful memory, whatever that is, it is not your whole life. It is a piece of it. It is a part. You can't pretend it never happened and wash it away like, nope, this never happened. It's real. And it is a part of who you are. And yet you do not need to live in the sorrow or the memory of that for the rest of your life. It is just a part of it. And recognizing that and bringing back all the good memories and all those things that I have to be thankful for is what carries me forward. And I feel like that has been used to carry many people forward. Our darkest day does not need to designate what our future looks like. It is a piece of it. But we do not need to focus on it 24-7. There is a whole lot of life to be lived. And that's what I choose to do even now in the Throws of stage four cancer and some really tough days, you know. Yeah. Um, I could choose just to focus on the sorrow of this and the um, oh, and some of the reports and you know. Right. And to focus on that, I think I'd already be in the grave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's not what I focus on. It's like no, whatever God's God's grace is sufficient, no matter what I have to go through today to take me into tomorrow, and that's all I need to be concerned about right now.
0: Just today. That's right. Yep
2: today just to be yes
0: the next step don't you think that's a key component of what you're saying too is that our healing and our journey is a process and that process is not defined by one event
2: it isn't no it is not and we put all our focus into one event oh my goodness we're robbing ourselves of a treasure trove of joy in our lives
0: so true yeah. well and i think of that you know the moments on day 1 and day 2 and even day 3 when the the news was so raw and the tragedy was so recent and and just the blur of media and just all of the things you wrestled not only in that time with forgiveness and anger but the temptation to to give to that and choose differently carries on for years it's a daily choice that that yes. we make a choice that we have to recommit to again and again and again and i know that is part of your message too and yet you know, this isn't, obviously, this is not something you would have ever wanted. And there must have been some anger in there. I know you who are listening, maybe something has happened to you. There's some tragedy unexpected in your life that makes you angry with God. Um, Terry, I know your son, uh, Zach, it was hard for him to even consider as you prepared for the funeral to be there. And yet some beautiful things happened to uh, intersect with that. And yeah. um, can you help us process when we feel that urge to feel angry and resentful at God, how we can choose forgiveness, how we can choose joy, how we can choose surrender?
2: Wow. Well, just you know, by saying, okay, Lord, I have no control over this situation, and I am giving it to you. You show me the next step that I need to take in order to just release this to you you know if god if you sent your son jesus and he could die for me Mm -hmm. what do i need to surrender in my life in order to let this go in order to let joy start flowing in again you know it i don't know god just shows us how we can let go and let him Mm -hmm. when we just totally submit and surrender it to him so it's not an easy thing to do but it starts with a choice It's that choice of, yes, okay, take this ugliness and now show me how to walk through it. Mm -hmm. Show me what a tomorrow can look like. I'm surrendering this to you. But it takes surrendering to the Lord, you know, before you can do that. And um, I think in order um, to—if we call ourselves Christ followers— we need to go back to what Jesus teaches us, like in the Lord's Prayer, and we need to surrender our daily walk in a way that, um, that he can walk us through it, not by our own might and not by our own decisions of, mm. how, oh, I can beat this thing. No, um, this is something that, what do you want me to, to learn through this? How can I surrender this in order that it can glorify you?
0: So beautiful. Can you share with us a little bit about the day of the funeral, the day that you um, went to the cemetery with your family, the day that the love and forgiveness of the Amish made such a punctuated exclamation mark to the world? Wow.
2: To arrive at the funeral, to arrive at the, the burial grounds where my son was buried, and to be exiting our cars, and then to see around forty Amish coming and surrounding us like a crescent prayer covering
1: mm-hmm. at
2: the gravesite was a sight that I mean, it was just it, it just took your
0: breath I'm away. I'm sure you'll never forget it. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So, the yeah. world can't forget it. The world cannot forget it. Yes, it's just
2: yes, yes, remarkable. So That's surrounding us, and then. As that service ended, the first two parents to come and greet us were the parents that lost two daughters mm. at the hand of our son, not just one daughter, but two daughters at the hand of our son. And they came and greeted us and held out their hands to us and said, how are you doing? We're, we're interested in how you're doing. It's like, wow. 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 Who does that? Who does that? I mean, that is surrender and, and you know, just... That's a surrendered heart saying, okay, Lord, your will, not my will, be done.
0: Right, And walking in the truth of what God's word instructs us to do, whether we feel like it or not.
2: We can't base our decisions on feelings and emotions. Right. God gives us our feelings and emotions, but that's not where the ultimate decision comes in. It's a choice.
0: And what a beautiful display of truth they yes. made in that day displaying it was that. Amazing. Yes, amazing. it was
2: amazing. And they have lived it out. They have lived it out, and, and oh my goodness,
0: I mean... Did you have any idea that this was the capacity of your neighbors that you'd oh live next goodness, to all no, these years? No. I mean, Terry, what a surprise.
2: It is. And I mean, nine years later, here we are, and I get out of the hospital, and it's Christmas time, and... Rosanna comes to visit me now. Ros- oh, I'm
0: so glad you're going to tell us about Rosanna. Tell okay. me, yes,
2: yes. Well, Rosanna was the youngest child in the schoolhouse, and she is still tube fed and in a wheelchair. So her life is very different um, from even the rest of the situations. Um, and uh, I, I, in the book, I describe like how I ended up going to visit with Rosanna weekly, but that is what I do. Well, because I,
0: I, you started visiting each of the families. Oh, yes. My husband and
2: I both visited each of the families in January and February, and maybe into March of that of 2007, that first year. We chose to go visit each family. Um, Terry, that must have been so scary. Oh, my goodness. My husband couldn't go to the first family. <laughs> you <know>? Oh, no. <laughs> it was like, honey, I can't do it. But then I came home, and then I described how the first family described the second family he said okay all right I think I can do this and we went together and oh. it was wonderful you know it was just um we were just so welcome and mm. warm you
0: know a warm welcome into their home well for those of you who want to hear more about that you have to get Terry's book it's yeah, amazing get the book. amazing it's a long story anyway so that led to Rosanna right because you reached out to uh, really yeah. essentially take care of her one time a week like a little date
2: yeah, it was a year after that I started going to her home. And those first two weeks, I got in the car afterwards, and I just cried the whole way home. Mm. And I sat in my garage that second week, and I, I just cried out to God. And I said, God, I thought you were calling me to do this, but I can't. I can't be a basket case every week when I come home. <laughs> yeah. And and then the third week on, I I mean, I'm not saying I never shed a tear over Rosanna. If she has a rough night, yeah, I might. But never did I just cry and cry and cry like that again? So God's grace did get me through that, that I I was supposed to go weekly to be with her. So I did that for um, nearly eight years. Now, then the past year with my health, that has slowed down, and actually in the past couple of months now, it has stopped. And lo and behold, Rosanna came to visit me when I came home from the hospital. So here oh, I was, goodness. two days out of the hospital, and Rosanna is sitting in my sunroom with the sun gleaming in on her Ugh. and she's laughing and I'm just like oh lord what oh. a blessing this is and then uh right before christmas all the amish families there were 35 of them came in a school bus and did christmas caroling so they were going to stand in front of my oh. house and christmas carol but i insisted they all come into my sunroom so that's um yeah that is how blessed i am by these families and the kind of relationship that we've developed um you know I stop in at their houses they'll they'll call me and check in on me and it has been just truly amazing so they have lived out this forgiveness story to the fullest
0: hmm, terry that is so beautiful i just ah. <laughs> There's, uh, You know, I've read your book. Okay, let's talk about your book. You have written this book called Forgiven, the Amish school shooting, a mother's love and a story of remarkable grace. I don't think I have enough words to positively describe this uh, creative work of art that you've put into the world, really a display of God's love and grace and forgiveness for all of us to see. Thank you, first of all, so much for spending the time that it took to write it and to give it to us as a gift. But in it, you talk about how you began then as your relationship with the Amish people, your neighbors, the people in your community, as that began to be strengthened and bonded, you began to go speak and talk about this message of forgiveness, and you it eventually didn't just go alone. Some of them traveled with you and started yes. even sharing with you. Can you, can you um, describe for us some maybe stories or situations about, because I don't know how to pick, um, stories or situations about how this blossomed and how it's been such a beautiful thing for the world to see?
2: Wow. Well, it has been amazing. I mean, um, just the fact that the Amish would sometimes attend with me and then maybe get up and, you know, um, just offer a couple words or whatever. It was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. You know? <laughs> right. And, um, but it has been great. Uh, I, I would say ever since the fifth anniversary, things kind I mean, on the fifth anniversary, I spoke at a local college, Elizabethtown College, at a forgiveness seminar. And every single family came to support me in wow. that. And it was like, wow, I can't believe this. Um, you know, I just felt so blessed by that and encouraged. And I mean, and then they were always saying, Well, when are you going to write a book? You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to protect them and my grandchildren. Well, then when my daughter in law wrote a book, it was like, okay, now I guess it's I could do it. You're right. Oh, so I can do this. But, um, but yeah, just to see the, the impact of them being with me. I just remember when I went to speak to a a group of Japanese and I had five of the Amish parents with me and they were just so astounded at, um, this forgiveness because they said like, if, if, you know, speaking to me, they would come up afterwards and say, if you lived in our country, you would have to move far away and no one would speak to any member of your family. You know, and I thought, wow, to live in a culture that you would be so condemned because mm. of a family member's crime, you know, that must be absolutely horrible. But they, you know, they say your your life would be, you know, totally done wherever you lived.
0: Were these foreign exchange students or college yes, students? they were
2: exchange students. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And I've, I've developed quite a few relationships with the Japanese and ended up going to Japan. Really? My story there. So, oh, goodness. somewhere I'd love to go back again. So I say, okay, Lord, please heal me. I'm going to go back
0: to Japan again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you have become uh, one of the go to people, you and your Amish friends. To speak into the lives of the families and relatives and friends of people who have perpetrated crimes such as the one Charlie did. and
2: That has become quite a ministry. That is the deepest part of my ministry. When I hear from the parents um, that need to be ministered to and I'm able to be there for them, it's like, yes, Lord, until my dying day, I will do that. Yes. yes.
0: And what are some of the words of wisdom and comfort in those hard moments with them? You know, I don't know
2: that it's the particular words as much as it is looking into the eyes of someone that mm-hmm. has felt the pain yeah. that you feel when you go through a situation like this. Mm-hmm. That is the depth of what I see is helping the most. Yeah. Whether I'm speaking to someone across the country on the phone or face to face and they know that they're speaking to someone that has felt the depth of sorrow and the angst of pain in their hearts. Um it's like wow, no counselor has ever felt those feelings that you feel, you know, and so when you speak to another person that knows your pain, it just is such an outlet of relief to know I am not alone in this and and the feeling of having to hide or whatever, you know, it just seems to help folks with that too. So I don't know that there's particular words of wisdom, um, just, you know, just knowing that you have to surrender and knowing that tomorrow comes and the way we meet tomorrow has a whole effect on our own disposition, on our families. So if we want to spread a message of hope and, you know, joy that we can restore joy in our lives, and we have to live that. So, um, yeah, I, I've just I've just had so many situations with families of perpetrators. And to me, that is the, the richest part of my ministry in knowing that I can be there for them because um, of the, the level of hurt that you feel. And you know what other people think sometimes. And it's like, you know what, it doesn't matter what other people think. You stand before your God, you know. And you know that um, as a parent, you've done your best. Um, as a brother or sister or whatever, tomorrow does come. And yes, you can move forward in life and you can look forward to joy.
0: Well, and God has given you this story. And what I love so much is that you have surrendered and said yes to him to be used in ways that only you can be used f- out of the experience of your life. And there is a power in our presence to sit with someone else who is going through something we've actually experienced. And yeah. sometimes no words are even needed. Correct. You know, It's just Correct. that power of presence. I think it is. the Jewish community calls it sitting Shiva with okay. people. And it's just that time of just the power of our presence being near near to them that's mm-hmm. what i'm hearing you describe and
2: yes it is it is may yeah. we
0: all take the experiences of our lives that have been hard and difficult and be present with someone else in them
2: yes be able to share
0: your story you know sharing your story
2: it's there you know you've lived your story and how you've walked through it may help someone else to walk through their story that maybe it's so fresh for them. And they need to just have a listening ear and know that somebody else has felt their pain. So it's so important to share our stories.
0: So important. Terry, your book is entitled Forgiveness. And most of us struggle with forgiving, especially when the person we're trying to forgive or the situation we're trying to forgive, whether that be a loved one or even God, when it Doesn't feel like we get anything back from them. There's no indication that they're sorry or they don't change. And yet, your life is an example, your relationships with the Amish, and they have been an example of how forgiveness is a choice. Can you help walk us through, you know, you who might be listening today, who have a situation in your life where you are struggling to forgive because it just doesn't feel fair and it just doesn't feel like you want to. And sometimes we hurt our own hearts by not choosing forgiveness. Help us through that, Terry.
2: Yes. Well, my son would be the ultimate um, example of the wrong choice and holding on to bitterness inside and and choosing to um, blame God for this bitterness that he felt. And So when we are able, whenever we're holding something inside like that, we are only taking the hurt and forming more of a cancer inside of ourselves Mm. because then it just goes deeper and deeper. And when we can allow that to be released and say, okay, this doesn't feel like something I want to forgive, and yet I will make that choice. I will walk through this. And I will choose to forgive. Now, help my unbelief, or help my, um, you know, help my inability to to face tomorrow, because that is what I want to do. And God's grace does do that; it gives us that ability. I know for myself. I wish my son would have had Philippians four, eight, and nine on his lips every morning. Um, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things, these things and yes. the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could start each day looking to those things instead of choosing the bitterness and holding on to those things that have brought us so much hurt and mm-hmm. sorrow. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would be, you know, start your day with Philippians 4, 8 and 9 and just Ask God to show you
0: how To let go and let God. And practically beyond that, Terry, you have a favorite life verse right before those two verses that you love to say. (laughs) And I'd love it if you'd share that and then also share with us any practical tips you've learned either through your own experience or from your Amish friends about, yes, we can choose to say we're going to forgive, but are there any practical things we can do like saying Philippians... Four, eight, and nine, four, four through six, other right. things that okay. you would offer.
2: So the Philippians four, six, and seven are do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And I'm lifting my with hands in the air right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> with thanksgiving, present your requests before God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Mm. And I touch my head there, and then, and, um, Peace of God uh, passes all understanding. Guard my heart, guard my mind in Christ Jesus. Because I always feel like, you know, I put my hand on my head and my hand on my heart. Guard my heart. Guard my mind. Yes. So that's been, that's been the way I say it. I say it with boldness every time I say it, <laughs> whether it's through cancer or through the tragedy. But I just say it with such boldness because I want my heart and my mind protected so that it can release these things.
0: So we can and, speak God's word and its truth over our lives, yeah, remind yeah. our hearts of it. That's one way, yes? Yes,
2: yes. So speak it out boldly and frequently. Yeah, just to, to know that it's there daily for you and that it doesn't go away. It's there. It's true. Mm. And um yeah, as far as, I, I don't know, with the Amish, their acts of kindness that they do um, in just making making a touch. Like anytime there is a crime perpetrated against them, if it's an accident, they reach out to the the, the people that caused the accident, you know, where in our case it was it was a criminal offense and, and they reached out to us. So when we reach out um, to those that we rather shy away from, it breaks down barriers and walls. And mm. I, I don't know, to me, that's a real practical thing to do, to just encourage yourself to go beyond what feels comfortable. And um, yeah, just take a step forward in touching someone's life, even if it's someone that has hurt you deeply.
0: That's so good. And even beyond just touching them in a in an abstract way, but actually touching them in a physical way yes. could could break and shatter that awkward oh, barrier right i i Absolutely. think i heard some marriage advice that you should always fight touching <laughs> <laughs> and um you know it is pretty hard to fight when you're touching you, you touch. know I, I yeah heard that one before but i like it <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well i that was the g rated version uh, oh, is, right, right. the actual <laughs> advice was to 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 Fight naked, and that will really dispel your argument. You know, <laughs> but things, <laughs> yeah. That's not the G-rated version. Oh. But it, you know, that is what the Amish did for you. They came to your house, to your door, touched Henry, touched Chuck's yes, shoulders. Did. You know, um,
2: yes, there was a physical display. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, and it's yeah. like walking out. What is right. And trusting that God will bring our feelings to follow.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. For Henry, I remember him saying, my knees were shaking so bad. He said, I I kept walking toward your house and then my knees were like knocking. (laughs) And he said, then I turn around and go back. He said, I kept going back up my hill until I felt like, you know what? (laughs) It's harder for me to go back up my hill than it is to go toward the Roberts house. It was easier to go back to the Roberts house than it was to <laughs> back go up, up my him. hill with my knees knocking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so, you know,
2: it's, we make a decision. That doesn't right. mean it's easy to follow through. Right. Um, but it is, you know, when we make a decision and we say, okay, God, you take me through this, He does. Yeah. He'll take us through. And yeah. that's a practical way of surrendering. It is. It is. And for me, journaling has been a huge, um, a, I don't know, just a huge healing process for me. Because oh, I good. can look back now on all the fears, the anxieties, um, the nights that would have been sleepless had I not journaled, and know that, wow, all those, all those thoughts that swirled in my head, God has taken care of all of that.
0: Well, and not only were you able to process it out on paper, which helps, I think that f- like physiologically actually helps us, they've learned, to yes. to write it out. But not only that, years later, you can go back and see how God has answered that yes. and, and how you've grown. And it's a beautiful way of keeping those milestones. It journaling. Is. It is, yeah. yes, yes. Well, Terry, talk to us about your health now. I know that you're you're battling a new piece of adversity, and we would love to be with you in that and join our hearts in praying with you through that and um, update us on how, how your health is and your cancer is doing.
2: Okay, okay. So I was diagnosed stage four in August of 2014, so I think it's been about 16 months now, and I am... Uh, currently in a not real good place. I mean, it has really spread yeah. through the bones. It's amazing how my lungs are doing well, because it was really bad in my lungs to the point where, you know, 14 months ago, they said, well, without treatment, probably three months to live. <laughs> oh, so hard. I, I chose not to do treatment. You know, I did alternative things. And, you know, here I am. And yes. the lungs are actually doing quite well. Um, And yet the bones are not. So it has proliferated a good bit through the bones. And never thought I'd go back to conventional treatment after 2003. You know, I I went through that. I went through the radical mastectomy back then and kind of walked away from traditional medicine. But I am back into, um, I needed to accept radiation in December. And I'm actually going to have some radiation again next month. So something I never thought I would resort to. And yet... You know what, I'm thankful it's there because it certainly has helped the pain. And uh, right now my prayer is that I will be able to be off of pain medication completely because it has totally messed with this natural health lady's way of doing things. Yeah. Do not have my taste buds. I do mm. not enjoy my salads and my all my living foods right yes. now, which is very hard on me. So for me right now, I'm extremely challenged with nausea because of the medication and Other ways that it messes with the the natural system. Yeah, of course. The uh, pain meds. So that's what I want to be released from. And, you know, of course, I'm praying that God, you know, through uh, that this cancer will just be arrested and stop growing. But, you know, whatever God's will is, whether I'm here two months or 20 years, it's his will. And I'm willing to live that out, um, whatever that looks like. So, um, yeah, I just uh, I, I don't want to get in heavily into medications and things so so we'll see you know what what the future holds but um the prognosis is definitely not good and yet i've certainly outlived every prognosis that they've given me so um
0: anyhow (laughs) so we'll
2: see what the future holds so i do have a blog And if people want to follow me on there, they can. It's on my website, joythroughadversity.com.
0: Joy Through Adversity. I love the title of that. Terry, for anyone facing cancer, maybe with a child facing cancer or a loved one, Mm -hmm. or maybe today they're in a similar place as you, facing um, the goodness of heaven and yet the difficulty of leaving those that, that we love, how have you sort of been processing through that and and what encouragement might you be able to give somebody listening today?
2: Well, it, it is a process, and it's a daily process. And I I tend to beat myself up when I feel a little bit hopeless or something. And yet, you know, there are times that I go through that. And yeah. last week was the worst of the worst. And yet, mm. um, you know, to accept this is a stinky disease. It's a horrid disease, you know. Yeah. And yet yet... Um, I do not have to succumb to the disease. You know, it's just, uh, um, this is part of my life right now. And I pray that the Lord removes it from me. And, um, but however, any of us walks through this to look to tomorrow because we do not know what tomorrow holds. And I just, I just think we always have hope into the tomorrows. Mm -hmm. And as long as we have breath in us, we should have hope. So, you know, it's just that reaching out and saying, "Okay, Lord, my life is yours. You just show me one step at a time, one day at a time, you know, how I am to use this to glorify you. And there are days that I do cry when like last Monday was the worst day of my life as far as I didn't recognize the person that I am like 24 hours. And it was so funny because my friend came and we're talking about even maybe an antidepressant drug. And she said, did you use your your essential oils? And I said, oh, no, I forgot. She said, well, which ones would you get out? And I said, oh, lavender and peppermint. And so she goes into the other room, she brings them out. And Within five minutes, I was Terry again, you know? Mm. Now, I'm not saying that lavender and peppermint will do that for you, but try it. You know? Right. Who could? And what could it hurt, right? It was, it was like I went through 24 hours of feeling actually depressed, you know? Mm. And I'm a joyful, joy-filled person. But I had to recognize, you know what? This is a heart disease. I am going through a really hard time. Yeah. And I've had some physical um, parts of this that have been just really not so nice. And yet... You know what? I am breathing, and yeah, if my essential oils will help me to to breathe easy and to accept, yeah, then I'm gonna I'm gonna use those on my body and and in my diffuser, and um, I'm glad God gave them to me. So just to to um, yeah to submit to whatever it is, that not in a way of submission of saying I give up, but no, this is where I am. I accept the fact that I am walking through something very difficult in my life, and yet where I certainly do not know what tomorrow holds. So right. I will live today to the fullest.
0: Right. And what I love about the theme of your entire story from beginning to end, which you all should get her book and read it. It's You won't be able to put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, it is this ability that we have to choose. Yes. We can choose life. We can choose Christ. We can choose forgiveness. We can choose yeah. love. We can choose joy. We can choose hope. And, you know... Years ago they gave you bad news about timing and even in 2014 and yet here we are having okay. a lovely conversation in the beautiful sunroom that yes. this sweet Amish built you yes, uh, yes, right it's wonderful I sit here and I'm
2: uh, like wow lord this is amazing
0: <laughs> And so you're I choosing yeah,
2: you're choosing
0: I... your assignment for today and trusting God for whatever it is he gives and yes. um Such an encouragement, such an encouragement, Terry. Well, I want to read some words that you wrote in your book. It's entitled Forgiven the Amish School Shooting, A Mother's Love and a Story of Remarkable Grace. You say, and this is surreal to me because I'm seeing you sitting in your sunroom with the beautiful (laughs) sun falling on your beautiful face, Uh and in your book you write, Today I write these words sitting in my sunroom, a gift from a compassionate Amish builder, drinking in the calm serenity, listening to the birds singing, enjoying a soft breeze on my face, and I marvel at this realm of peace that has come only through surrender and letting God fill the dark recesses of my heart. Mm -hmm. I write this book. So that others too may experience the peace that passes understanding and hope for their future. That others living with anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness may discover, as I have, the power and the gift of freedom that forgiveness offers. I invite you to come with me on my journey of faith into an unfathomable abyss, a darkness too deep for the human spirit to encompass. Share my journey into healing one step at a time. May this day the beginning of your own journey Mm. terry just beautiful and uh that is my hope i'm so thankful that you joined me today that you shared your story with us all we can find you at your website joy through adversity how can we specifically pray for you
2: Mm -hmm. just that god's will be done i mean i would love to be healed of cancer um but you know whatever his will is um Yeah, it's just, the disease would be eradicated from my body. I would love that.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, let's pray right now. Okay. Lord Jesus, we just bring our sweet sister, Terry, before you today, and I know the marvelous things you've done through her life. You've been so faithful. You have revealed yourself to her again and again, and in turn, she's chosen to use her life story to glorify you, to bring others to... Uh, Marvel at your love, to propel others to choose forgiveness, and to help give them hope in the unexpected tragedies that they face. And so, Lord, we know that you are in control. You are sovereign over all things. You had Terry's days planned out before the beginning of time, before she was even conceived in her mother's womb. And, Lord, we trust you for the days that you have numbered for her, for the work that you have assigned her to do, for the joy that she's to hold in her heart each and every day moving forward. And Lord, we ask that you as our healer would come and that you would have your way in Terry's life. Um, of course, we would ask for you to heal her body, that you would um Arrest this cancer that is in her bones and throughout other places, that you would give her the strength and the wisdom with her doctors and her family to make decisions about her treatment, to live in the hours and the very real um, side effects that are happening with the treatments that she is is um, taking advantage of. And Lord, ultimately, your will is what we want to be done. And so we commit her to you. We thank you for her life. We thank you for what you've done in and through her and her receptivity and friendship and bonds with Amish people, how they love her dearly, how we've all come to love the forgiveness that's been championed through such a bad tragedy all those years ago and, um, We acknowledge and admit that you are good, even when it doesn't feel like you are, and you are with us, and you promise to go before us and behind us and provide for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for Terry's life, and we commit her to your hands, and we ask for your goodness and your graciousness to reign in whatever way you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Terry. Thank you, Jackie. Love you so much. I, we've never met, but I feel like I know you as a sister in Christ, and I'm so thankful for you. And I, you all need to go get her book, "Forgiven: The Amish School Shooting, A Mother's Love," because it really is a story of remarkable grace. Terry, have a beautiful week. We are so thankful for you.
2: Thank you, Jackie.
0: Wow, I am so thankful for Terry for being here, for sharing all that she did, and for inspiring us to choose joy and forgiveness. Through our adversity. So today I'm super excited because thanks to Terry's publisher, we are giving away three copies of her book, Forgiven. I thoroughly loved her book. I listened to it on audiobook, it was a compelling story. It kept me riveted to my earbuds for a few days. If you'd like to listen to her book on audiobook and you don't already have an Audible membership, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial and download Terry's book for free today. Just go to mudstoriesbook.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial with no obligation to keep that trial going. You can cancel at any time and you'll be able to download Terry's book for free. But if you'd like to be entered to win one of the three books that we're giving away, what I want you to do is head over to the show notes page, JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 80. I'll have a link for it underneath the artwork of the show in the Purple Podcast app. And you can click right through and leave a comment. I want to hear what inspired you about what Terry shared. How can you practically use it in your life? And let's uh, shower Terry with some messages of love and encouragement and prayers for her journey as she continues to face her battle with cancer. I know as of today, she is off of that pain medication that she was, you know, concerned about how it was affecting her everyday life, and she is receiving radiation to help control the pain in her shoulder. Uh, from the the cancer that has metastasized there. And so she's, you know, living her days with joy. Uh, I wish you could have seen her in her sunroom reciting Philippians 4. She is just a woman of incredible faith and uh, just so inspiring. And when someone's walked with God through that many things and has learned so much, I'm just so thankful that they would come and share with us some of what they've learned to uh, help inspire us along our journey too. And so do that. We also have a Facebook community called Mud Stories Gathering. If you're female and you would like to walk through your mud in some community, we have a Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Mud Stories Gathering. I'd love to see you over there and interact with you there. But there are two main things I want you to do uh, as a result of this podcast. Number one, Go enter to win a copy of Terry's book and leave her an encouraging message and a prayer. And number two, I would love for you to subscribe and rate and review this show. So, this is going to be really easy. Most of you listen on the go. I know that. I listen on the go too. Whatever I'm doing, I'm busy and I'm not necessarily by my computer. So I've created a way for you to do both of these things right through the Purple Podcast app on your phone. Sorry to those of you who don't have Apple products, but I know most of you listen through the Purple Podcast app. So uh, just click on that skinny strip on the bottom that's playing this episode and then you can. Click on the artwork that says Mud Stories with Jackie Watkins. Underneath there, you're going to find some text with some hyperlinks. And I'll have links there for you to... Uh, go through and leave a message on the show notes page to enter to win one of the three books and to leave Terry an encouraging message. And number two, for you to subscribe to this show because I don't want you to miss any episode. Uh, I have some awesome things coming. Thank you so much for those of you who filled out the survey. I've loved your feedback. And that was at JackieWatkins.com forward slash survey. I'm going to be choosing winners for the survey this week. And so I'll have links there right in the app for you to enter to win one of Terry's Books by leaving a message to subscribe and rate and review the show, which helps iTunes show this show to more people so more people can be encouraged by these stories and for you to get updated each and every time I release an episode. Of course, you can find everything over at the show notes page, jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 80. And I just hope you're having a great week. Uh, Thank you for joining me here. It's my greatest joy to be with you each and every week. And I'm looking forward to next week when we will meet back up right here. Uh, I will be here sharing another mud story with you. And so um, it's my hope and prayer for you today, that whatever it is you're facing, wherever you've been, or whatever lies ahead for you, that you will not only choose joy, but you will find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day.
1: Never in you mother but fails to press upon my mind a pull the shade that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place again I never any mother feels a press upon my mind Shame. That leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the plane And I never will find a way out And then I feel next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul Place you overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe embrace as a grateful song to sing. A grateful song to sing. A grateful song.